As we get started in this new season of Dangerous Prayers, I want to give you a little bit of background and bring you up to speed with how we got here. So over the summer last year, actually it was probably spring, we uh, ran across this book, Dangerous Prayers by Craig Groeschel. And if you'd like to go deeper in this series, and uh, you can feel free to pick that up wherever you buy books. And we started uh, going through some of these dangerous prayers. And it was probably one of the best uh, series of the past year. And so then we re revisited some more dangerous prayers later in the year. And it's always been my intention that we would revisit it from time to time. So as we begin the new year, we are starting a new series of dangerous prayers. So this is season three. And I want to start with one called Cleanse Me, Cleanse Me. And in order to give you a little bit of background on that, we're going to read the Psalm that it came from. So this is Psalm 19, uh, Old Testament Psalm. And the prayers that we're gonna look at this week and next at least come from Psalm 19. So I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation if you wanna follow along. The heavens Proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at it today, that you would speak to us. We know that you are living and active and that your word is living and active. And so I pray that for everyone who is watching, everyone who is listening, that they will experience that personally, firsthand today. Lord, we declare our willingness to listen and uh, to hear from you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. All right, so as I was reading through that, part of that might have sounded a little bit familiar because we actually looked at this verse, the very last part of the psalm, when uh, we were in last week's message. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, we pointed out before how words of the mouth and meditation of the heart are paralleled. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a, a minute. But I wanted to point out something that we didn't look at last week, which is it says, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's happening here is that the psalmist is actually using the, uh, the, the verbiage, the words of sacrifice of the daily sacrifice, the sacrificial offerings that would have been offered at his time at the temple when he's talking about this offering. Uh, here's an example. When he says it's pleasing, may it be pleasing to you, he's saying this, the, these words, the, the meditation of my heart, the words that I speak, this psalm that I'm offering up, I'm going to treat it like an offering and I pray that it would be pleasing to you. Uh, so that's, that's that acceptable in some translations or pleasing in other translations. Here's just an example in Leviticus 1.9 talking about the offerings. It says, then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing, there's that word again, an acceptable, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So when he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, he's saying, I'm going to offer up my meditations, what I'm thinking about and the words that I say, these are an offering to the Lord. Now, we've talked before about how our words and what we think about are, are um, interrelated. And now here he's saying that the words that I speak, the things that I say day in and day out, and in particular, the words of this psalm, I want that to be an offering. I want to be able to offer that to the Lord. And so he wants it to be pleasing. He wants it to be perfect. He wants it to be acceptable. Just like in the Old Testament offerings, you couldn't choose a, uh, an injured or a defiled or any kind of uh, lamb or offering that had a defect. It had to be perfect. It had to be acceptable. It had to be pleasing. And so he's saying, I want my words to be the same way. But that's a challenge, isn't it? And in fact, in uh, James, it, it makes this observation. This is the apostle James, and he's writing to the church as a whole, and he's talking about our speech, a big theme of the book of James is our speech. And he says, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. How many of you can relate to that? You say something that you wish you hadn't said, you do uh, you wish say words that you wish you could pull back. He goes on to say, if you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in control of life. If you can control your tongue, then you can control every other part of your life. And so we looked again at this verse last week, Jesus speaking that it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our words are going to be right, then we have to set our heart right. We have to set our heart right. And that's the core of what we're talking about today with this dangerous prayer.
back up just a little bit in the psalm. He, and this is what the psalmist says in verse 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? So he's saying, I want my words to be right. I want my heart to be right. If my words are going to be right, then my heart has to be right. And uh, we know that that's a challenge because uh, we all say the wrong thing from time to time. And that's an indication that maybe something's not right in our heart. And so he's saying, how can I set my heart right? How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? And then he offers that prayer, cleanse me from these hidden faults. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. In other words, I want to make sure that my heart is right, so my words are right. And in order for that to happen, Lord, we need you to cleanse us. Cleanse me. So this is our first dangerous prayer of this new series of dangerous prayers. Now, what makes a prayer dangerous? It's that sense that things might have to change. Uh, when we started looking at this series, at first I didn't want to do this because I knew that if we start praying these kinds of prayers, then probably the Lord is going to answer these prayers. He's going to show us things. And sometimes there are things that we don't necessarily want to be pointed out in our lives that we think ignorance is bliss. And if I don't have, if I don't know about it, then I don't have to deal with it. And uh, when we are convicted, when he shows us something where we need to make a course correction, sometimes that can be uncomfortable and it forces a crisis point where we have to either deal with it or ignore it say yes to the Lord or try to ignore and move on. The reason that we need to do this is that we don't know all the things in our heart. And if our words are going to be right, our heart has to be set right, then we have to know and deal with those issues. And sometimes we're just really good at ignoring those or not being aware of them. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, we're all really good at justifying our actions, coming up with good reasons why we said what we said, did what we did, think what we think, act like we act. But the heart is deceitful. And he asks this question. The prophet Jeremiah says, who can understand it? In other words, we need help in order to understand it. And that's what this cleanse me prayer does. It is asking the Lord for help, for insight into our heart, to deal with the, our heart and to change what needs to be changed. So today we're actually talking about conviction. What do I mean by conviction? That's the, when God shows us, convicts us of things that need to change. And what we're saying is the bottom line is this, I need help to know what I don't know. I need help to know what I don't know because we all can get it wrong. We all can deceive ourselves. We all can talk our things or talk ourselves into things that we shouldn't do or shouldn't believe. And we need help to know what we don't know about ourselves. So we're going to pray this prayer, cleanse me, cleanse me. Again, we need this because we can deceive ourselves very easily, just like the prophet Jeremiah pointed out. We need help to know what we don't know 
And I'm going to suggest to you from this passage and from the scriptures as a whole, three ways <clears throat> that you can find the help that you need to know what you don't know about yourself. So the first way that we know this is through God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit does his work of convicting and regenerating people. And once you are a follower of Jesus, once you have become a part of his family, said yes to him, been born again, become a citizen in the kingdom of God, then you have God's Holy Spirit living and residing in you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is provide that conviction and this is what Jesus described when he was talking about sending his Holy Spirit, getting ready to go to the cross, getting ready to leave the disciples. And so he's preparing them for that time. And he tells them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, John 16, 8, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict. He'll convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that he provides that conviction. He shows us where we're off track. He shows us where we need to make adjustments. He shows us where we are in the wrong. And so we need to be open to that. When we are praying that prayer, cleanse me, one of the things that we're doing in that is we are opening up and inviting the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to show us where we're off track and to deal with those issues. So he, that's what he does. That's part of his job. He convicts the world of sin. Now, our responsibility is to be open to that. And part of what we do by praying that prayer is we are opening ourselves up to it. In the letter to the Thessalonian, Thessalonian church, the apostle Paul writes this, don't quench the spirit. Very often the spirit is uh, likened to a fire, a flame, and that flame can be quenched. You can pour cold water on the Holy Spirit's conviction. We can stop our ears to what he is saying to us. And even now, probably, as you are listening, there's something that maybe the Holy Spirit is pointing out in your life, trying to bring up, or you've noticed a theme that's been happening over maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe a, a, even longer than that, where the Holy Spirit is trying to direct you towards something, deal with something. But you've been pouring cold water on him. You've been ignoring that conviction. Don't quench the Spirit. And you might have noticed that the other thing that I mentioned that the Holy Spirit does is he brings new life. He regenerates us. When a person first becomes a follower of Jesus, it's not just a decision that you make on the outside. It's a change that God works on the inside. And he does that by his Holy Spirit. So maybe for some of you, you're recognizing that you've never said yes to Jesus to begin with, that you've been doing your own thing, following your own way. Notice I'm not talking about whether you've been in church or not, whether you believe in God or not. The question is, are you following Jesus? 
are you, have you said yes to him? And right now the Holy Spirit is prompting you and telling you, you need to say yes to Jesus. And what does that mean? That means that you're saying yes to his forgiveness, that what he did on the cross is gonna count for you. You're saying yes to his Lordship. After the cross, he was resurrected, brought back to life. He ascended into heaven where he rules and reigns right now. And so when we are going our own way and doing our own things, we are in rebellion against the king of the universe. And when we say yes to his lordship, what we're doing is putting ourselves in right relationship with God's king, Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to say yes, to commit, to turn off over your life to Jesus if you haven't done that before. And that's what the, that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do right now. That's the Holy Spirit at work convicting you and leading you to say yes. If you're saying yes, then we want to be able to celebrate with you and resource you. So uh, click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. If you're on our church online platform or text yes anywhere you are listening or watching to 603 225-2550. That's our church number. And we'll be able to resource you and celebrate you with you as you begin your new life in Christ. So if we're going to have the right words, if our heart's going to be set right, then we're going to pray this prayer, cleanse me and God's Holy Spirit will convict us and give us the help that we need to know what we don't know. He's going to give us insight, direction, leadership, and he will convict us as the need arises. Now, the next two things that I'm gonna point out are actually mentioned explicitly in Psalm 19 that we read. And the first thing is God's creation. God's creation. Uh, now, you might be wondering, how is, how is creation? How's the world? How is what we see around us going to give us insight into something about our own hearts? Well, the Apostle Paul hints at and actually probably is referring perhaps back to this psalm when he wrote to the church in Rome, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. They're seen in what he made. We get to know the creator by looking at his creation. In Psalm 19, because this is poetry, it talks about it and explains this in a poetic way with poetic language. This is how that psalm started out. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. He's saying when you look out over the stars, when you look up into the sky, it's proclaiming the glory of God. It's telling God's story. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Day and night, sunshine and darkness. When you look into the sky, it's going to proclaim the glory of God. And he says, the sky, the creation, they speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. The stars aren't going to talk to you. The moon isn't going to all of a sudden start speaking to you. It's just their nature, it's their existence. They speak without a word, their voice is never heard. Yet, he says, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. So 
when we look at creation, we just observe, when we pay attention to what's happening around us, sometimes God will speak to us and show us things through that. Uh, one of my experiences like this that I can tell you about is uh, I was flying somewhere and I had read in James, it talks about how there's no changing, no shifting shadow with God. And it points to the sun as an example of his quality, his unchanging quality. So the sun is always shining. Sometimes we can't see it because we're in nighttime. Sometimes there are clouds in the sky and the, and the daytime can become almost as dark as night. But the sun keeps on shining. And that is supposed to, that can indicate to us God's unchanging character. That's what he's, the point that James makes in chapter one. So I'm flying somewhere, and this is when I still lived in Florida, and Florida, you would have these torrential downpour thunderstorms. I miss these thunderstorms. Here, it seems like a thunderstorm lasts for about 20 minutes and then it's gone. This is pouring rain, lightning, thunder, three hours a day, every, every afternoon during the summer, and I love it. But anyway, so we were flying somewhere and flying into a storm. It's pouring, it's raining, it's lightning, it's as dark as night, but we get in that plane and then eventually we break through the clouds and up above the clouds, the sun is shining. It never stopped shining. It's just we couldn't see it because we were under the storm. And that picture just paints beautifully for me the idea that whatever we're facing, whatever storms we're going through, that doesn't change God's unchanging nature. He is still good. He is still working for us behind the scenes. And whether we can see it or perceive it in the moment, He is always there for us. His character never changes. If we'll pay attention, if we'll open ourselves up to God's Spirit, if we'll just look around, then everything about life can teach us something. Everything that we observe can teach us something about God because He is the Creator and He will speak to us through that. So that's another way that He helps us to know what we don't know. And then the second, the third one, the second one that's mentioned in the Psalm is God's Word. The whole middle section of Psalm 19 is uh, talking about God's Word, His instruction, His law, His commands, His commandments. It's just using poetic language again, different words to refer, refer to the same thing, God's written Word, His revelation. He reveals to us through creation, that's sometimes referred to as general revelation, avail uh, available to everyone. And then there's also specific re revelation through God's word. So I'll just pick out one phrase that he uses. This is Psalm 19:8, where it says, the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living giving insight for living. What we do every week through Cornerstone, because we are a biblically-based church, is we are going to point you to God's Word. It gives us the insight that we need. And if we are going to have right words, a right heart, we pray this prayer, cleanse me, then one of the ways that you can help 
God to speak to you, make it easier for you to hear God's voice, is to regularly be in God's word. He will give us the insight that we need. That's why I'm always encouraging you to daily read and respond to God's word. There are resources that we've made available and follow the links that we'll make available uh, related to this passage and the growth guide uh, so that you can learn about life journaling, which is a process for reading and responding to God's word. I'm also going to give you a reading plan. There are life journaling reading plans and others that you can follow on the Bible app, bible.com. But somehow, some way, make it your habit, commit, this is the beginning of the year, it's a great time to to start or reestablish this habit, but read God's word, respond to it in writing, write out your response. And as you do that, you're going to have the insight for living that you need because God will make his word clear and he will give you the insight through a daily briefing, just speaking to you through his word, through his spirit, allowing you to tap into the wisdom that is available there. And we can do that when we make it a habit to interact with, read, and respond to God's word. So this week, here's my challenge. We're going to pray, cleanse me. And we're going to open ourselves up to the Lord to allow him to show us the true nature of our heart so that our, word, so our heart can be set right, our words can be right. And part of the way that you can do that, and this will be kind of like the secondary challenge, is to do a reading plan. I talked about life journaling. There's also a dangerous prayers reading plan. It's only seven days, so it's just enough to get you started. It'll tie into what we've talked about in this dangerous prayer series. So you can go to uh, this link, uh, j.mp, kind of like jump. Think of it as jump slash 2dp30. So jump to dangerous prayers 3.0, j.mp slash 2dp30. So type that into your browser, follow that reading plan, and you will be reading and responding to God's word on a daily basis. And you're going to have your heart set right. Your words as a result are going to be right. And then you'll be able to say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray this prayer. Let's open ourselves up to what the Lord wants to do so that we can start this year right. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us insight, that your words are not hidden, but that they are clear and that that happens when your Holy Spirit speaks to us. Lord, I pray for everyone listening and watching. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to all of us. I pray that you would give us boldness to be able to pray this prayer and to open ourselves up to whatever you want to show us, that we would be willing to admit that we've been deceiving ourselves, talking ourselves into things, talking ourselves out of things, 
and justifying things that are not really justifiable, that we would just open ourselves up to however you want to speak to us. We declare our willingness for you to speak, for you to correct, for you to convict, and we pray that you would cleanse us. We want to be a people who have hearts set right, who speak the right word at the right time, and who in all of our lives, not just our words, but every aspect of our life would be an offering to you. As you said in, in your word, we are living sacrifices. And so I pray that you would cleanse us and make us a people whose lives are lived in daily, moment by moment, for your glory and for your purposes. Make us living sacrifices to your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.